be completely non-attached to the result and start seeing your life as just a perfect seed that is germinating in every single way that it goes, even if your mind is telling you that your expectations did not want it to go like this, really deep inside, all we are is living life. And you wouldn't appreciate the good things that happened to you unless you had a bunch of crappy things that happened to you. So everything is an opportunity to feel and to experience life. So you're doing great. You're always living life. And just try your best to make it really enjoyable and meaningful. And just be non-attached to expectations and honor that you're just a... And I mean this in a beautiful way. You're just a meaningless little animal that is living in the blink of an eye on Earth. And don't take it so seriously. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and BJ, and we're on a mission to create a better world. We believe that a better world lives inside of all of us right now. It's the alignment of who we truly are. And if we all just spent a bit more time with our focus looking inward, I think we'd soon see more peace and harmony reflected out into the world. Jackson Foster is our guest today and someone who in just shy of three decades on this earth has lived an odyssey that is surely against the grain. Despite growing up in the concrete jungle of Los Angeles, Jackson always felt a deep pull to be outdoors. During his high school years, he found the High Mountain Institute where he spent a semester connecting with nature on a deeper level and he was hooked. Returning to his upscale private high school only confirmed his need to take the road less traveled. His big adventures began during a gap year between high school and college when he rode his bike across America, traveled to Asia for a backpacking adventure, volunteered at an orangutan orphanage, and apprenticed with a master potter, all of which sealed his knowing that he had to continue to live an alternative and adventurous lifestyle. Jackson joins us today from Costa Rica, where he decided to settle for his next chapter after riding his bike thousands of miles from Alaska. Jackson is a visionary who is bringing his visions to manifestation. He is a yogi, a vegan advocate, a farmer, most recently a fiance and an ultra runner as of like 24 hours ago, and a voice for all of us to take risks and dream extreme. Jackson Foster, welcome to the show. Thanks for that intro. That was that was amazing. My life has been an odyssey and to hear other people besides my family acknowledge it and to know that you've been following along, uh, it really means a lot to me. Really awesome. Thank you. Uh, you know, your story is amazing, right? Like we have been following you. We first heard you years ago on the Ritual podcast and um, your story is well told. Um, you guys go really deep into it in that podcast. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to where people can really do a deep dive into your backstory. But what we're super pumped about is where you are now and where you're going. Yeah, so, I feel like my story hadn't even started when I was on the Ritual podcast. That was like chapter zero of my life. My life has transformed, of course, because I was like 20 or something when I was on this podcast. I'm almost 30 now. But uh, yeah, a lot has happened since then. So tell us what's happening in Costa Rica because you're creating some you're creating a dream down there and it's just absolutely gorgeous. It really is. There's no other way to put it. Um, I'm very privileged. I have a lot of support and a lot of opportunity in my life. But really, 
we, my fiance Natalia and I, and Maggie, our rescue pup, I actually rescued Maggie in like East Long Beach, so relatively close, close mm-hmm. to where you guys live. And um, we have cultivated some land that we got about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now, and we have transformed a old cattle grazing lot of just invasive grass where all the trees were chopped down about 30 or 40 years ago, and we have transformed it into a diverse permaculture food forest. And we're building cabins for people to rent out. We're going to be hosting retreats. And it is a yoga, permaculture, vegan, natural, organic uh, dream with streams and waterfalls and toucans and snakes all around. And we're in this cute little town. And the intention is to grow 100% of our own food, to live in nature, to make the soil better than when we arrived and um, enjoy life being connected to nature and trying to take less from the planet and give more to mother earth. And it is an insane amount of work, but it has been an absolute dream. It only gets more fun every day as the farm gets older and more mature. Uh, So it's incredible that I landed here and uh, we've been, I've been here for two years since I found this town on my bike tour. When did the, like, the mm. dream or the vision of what you're creating come in? Yeah, so I grew up in L.A. My family is super Hollywood. Uh, and I appreciated my upbringing. There was a lot of fun. But since, since I can remember as young as possible... I knew the Los Angeles lifestyle was just not what nourished me at all. I was always obsessed with animals, riding my bike, playing, and living in LA. There's just, there's a lot of great things, but there's also a lot of stress, smog, materialistic lifestyle. There is some cool wildlife and wild places outside of LA, but growing up with a family that never went camping, didn't prioritize fitness or mindfulness. I love my family, but since I can remember, I knew there was some other part of life that was for me. So this started, I mean, truly from as young as I can think, six, seven years old, but specifically to grow my own food, live a farm lifestyle, live out in the middle of nowhere. That really happened my junior year of high school, which you alluded to in the intro when I had the opportunity to leave my high school and go to a a backpacking alternative program that really emphasized connection to nature and environmental sustainability. And then that was my junior year. Then I had my senior year. Then I went on a gap year. And that's when I farmed for the first time. And I worked on a few farms. And so from then on, like the dream I'm living now and the project we're doing now I've known I've been needing to do this since that gap year when I was 19 years old and I'm 28 now. So it's been like a 10 year vision and I truly travel pretty much the world looking for the place always in the back of my mind, knowing in my travels, I was looking for the place to do this and now we're living it. And it, and it was definitely the right choice. It is the best. Yeah. How did you keep patience? Uh, involved in all of this and not kind of rush to it. Like, this is the spot we need to go. We need to get this going. We need to, all these things need to fall into place. How were you able to just stay patient and allow it to happen? 
Yeah, um, because when I was traveling, which, you know, I went to college after my gap year, I graduated with a degree in environmental policy at Colorado College. And I'll be totally honest, like, as I said, my life has been very privileged and college was a great experience, made lifelong friends, learned about organizing, learned about the environment. I essentially studied climate change and policy making around climate change. So I'm so grateful for that deep knowledge I know about that concept, which so many people in our community, and it's great, care about the environment and know that climate change exists and simple ways in order to make it better. But I have like a deep understanding of the scientific mechanism of that. And I'm so grateful for my college experience, but I'll also be totally honest, since graduating high school and then traveling after on my really gap year and a half, I really didn't want to go back to school because I knew in my heart the stuff I really loved about life was adventure, like wild experiences. Like I've always felt like I'm a little more wild and extreme than most of the people I grew up around me. And honestly, my young life so far has proven that I, I truly am that kind of person. I like to do things to very extreme levels. It's just, I have this philosophy that life is like, a random coincidence that we're here and there's not really much meaning to me except to do the things that you're passionate about and try to have intense deep connections and if you fail or screw up it's not really a fail or screw up because you know the sun's gonna engulf the earth in a million years and all of this is gonna completely go away so i really like to take i really connect with that meta philosophy on life so um, I just, uh, sorry, what was the question again? I got off on a tangent, but I'll bring Patience. it back. Patience. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. So while I was traveling, which was up until two years ago, so I traveled full time from when I graduated college up until two years ago. And I found this town where I'm farming it. I traveled that entire time. So it was four or five years. I traveled by train, by bus, on foot, by bicycle for most of the time, all over the world, Europe, Asia, Central America. I've never been to Africa, but other than that, I've been to a lot of the world. And even though through all that time, I knew I wanted a grounded lifestyle like this, I liked traveling in, a pre in pretty wild forms at that time. Like if I wanted to do this lifestyle immediately, I would have stopped much earlier. So I truly like I knew, all right, when I'm older, you know, I was like 20, 21, 22 years old. So I was like, when I'm older and I'm ready to, to live this lifestyle, I'm going to do it. But I was fully satisfied with traveling and I would have kept traveling until I just I'm always tuning in with what I want. And it just so happened about two years ago, I hit this moment where I was like, all right, this farm dream is ready to happen. Uh, oh, Maggie's outside staring at me because she hears me in this room. <laughs> She's attached to the hip with me. Um, so traveling was incredible. And like, you know, we can talk about it if you want, but I traveled in some miraculous ways, just on a bicycle with absolutely no plan whatsoever getting into all kinds of trouble and experiences and i love that it was one of the most invigorating parts of my life because it was the opposite to how i grew up so i'm a, i'm i am a patient person in some ways but i'm also a compulsive person and the minute i 
have an urge to do something. I really don't like to wait. So I would say I didn't feel like I was being patient while I was traveling to like not yet live this lifestyle. I, I knew I needed to get more of the travel bug out of me before I started. And the minute I got the idea that it was time to stop, I really started to put in the, the steps to make the dream that we're living now come true. That's so against the grain to to your theme there, because so many people have the thought or that inner hit. And what do they do? They wait, they delay, they they have to think it through, they have to do the research, they have to find the step-by-step process, the safe, I guess you could say the safe way to to get to that feeling that they have. But I think you serve as an inspiration to act, right? You have the hit, you have that yeah. feeling, the connection, the impulse act on it versus uh tempering it a little bit has that always been is that always the way honestly yeah i mean i am a researchy person but only to a degree and it's because i've i've learned in my life in my life experience there's only a certain level of knowledge you can acquire from research i'm super into science i love research when it comes to like you know, very micro type stuff. But when you're talking about making dreams, life, going into really foreign experiences, there's absolutely no replacement to just putting yourself directly onto the front line and failing your way to success. Because every situation is going to be different. The world is changing rapidly every year. So, but you know, in a way, I, I lived and worked on small permaculture homesteady farms for years before I started doing it. So I actually did put in a fair amount of research, um, but everything that I did, like do, taking a bike tour, going to work on the farm, that first time I did those things, I really just listened to my intuition and just attached to it and learned along the way rather than yeah, thinking about it too much. Like, um, people are so kind. Life is guiding you. Your intuition is always guiding you. I know that if I have a feeling and I put together a few correct steps and then plunge right into it, usually things work out. And when they don't work out, being a mindful and receptive person, you start to get those energies and you divert or move to another place. And every time I've done something in life and it didn't feel right, I value those experiences because that is why I'm someone who really knows what I like in this life and how I want to conduct my life because of all the things that I've done that didn't feel right. And all that is is a learning experience and it gets you closer to where you need to be. So a lot of people fear going into something thinking they're not ready. All you have to do is go into it and you will feel the, the intuition and the energy if it's where you need to pursue or you need to take another route versus listening to other people to tell you what you should do. I never connected with that. I've always had a problem with authority for better or worse. So I like to keep my eyes open, try a lot of things. And that has gotten me to be pretty focused to know who I am and, and what I like. I'm I'm observing the very little that I know about your life, right? Just from listening to you, researching for this podcast, reading some things that you've wrote, following you on social media. And I feel like from this 10,000 foot view, I see this like this seeker, this adventurous soul, right? Who came through this family 
where you were provided a lot of intellectual education, which allows what kind of what we believe is the goal here as yogis in this life is to live in the world, but not of it. Right. So we have to we have to figure out the filings and the taxes and the how to do the permaculture and 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 the climate change and how our actions are. We have to understand how this world works. But what you had naturally is you had that drive from within. But I feel like I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like kind of this quote unquote real world type of um education that you got and the upbringing that you had kind of grounded you into the real world to really make you quite um, accomplished in from living from your heart. I think there's some truth in that. Um, I'm not hating, but I need a lot of, of travelers or wanderers kind of along my way that didn't have as much of that grounded material world uh, uh, foundation and it's sometimes hard to know what you want or to make stuff happen when you haven't experienced the other side let's say so even though my life looks very different and how I conduct it than my friends and family back home I really think one of the reasons why I'm able to be successful in doing what I do now is because I've lived a few different uh, lives and been in a different cultures that prioritize different things. So, you know, absolutely. I see everything that's happened. And I always say this, but, you know, having privilege and the opportunity to take risks without the fear of big amounts of devastating failure really helped. Like my family has always supported me from when I was from, from when I was born. If I wanted to do something weird, they did all they could to allow me to uh, pursue that. When I was young, you know, growing up in LA in our nice house, I wanted to draw all over the walls and my mom let me draw in Sharpie or paint all over our walls. And now I'm an artist and a tattoo artist. And my, my parents, even though they're so different from me in many ways and they don't live a lot of the or they didn't even teach me about a lot of the material things that I like here like how to farm or how to camp or live in the wilderness or be a yogi just the fact that they facilitated and allowed me to pursue and get education from the people that could teach me about the things that I cared about no matter how alternative they are that is something that I've noticed just having different friends and learning about how they grew up my parents never said no you can't do that that's stupid they let me pursue any weird pursuit that I wanted to and they worked really hard in order for me to be able to do those things at the highest level and I think that gave me a lot of the confidence that I have now. And that's going to inform me as I become a dad someday soon, because, you know, my parents always say we honored your blueprint. And that's so true. Like me and all my brothers are so different. And even if it stressed them out, they always trusted us because we're just good people that it, even if it brought them a lot of fear, like I've done things in my life that now that I'm getting older, especially things that I did in my 20s, just travel stuff and, and just experiences I had, 
just thinking about my kids doing that like brings me stress and and I'm pretty out there and open and my parents are quite traditional. So I don't know how they let me do some of the things that I set out to do and the trouble I've gotten into, like getting frostbite, getting cotton storms in Utah and the way that I travel, but you know, really bless their heart for always supporting me, even though, uh, I really stress them out too. And as I get older, I try to be kinder to them in that way. Um, and I think I've probably gone through the most reckless wild part of my life. So I'm sure they're happy that I'm still here to tell the tale. Well, what, uh, um, you know, it's so funny to, to look at their roles, right? It, in accordance to you, like they really stepped into that part of their dharma was to allow you to, you know, to honor your blueprint. Like that's, that's such a masterful um, perspective. But um, I have a feeling that whatever soul moves through and becomes your child is probably going to take it up about 10 notches and you're going to have to go, go back and go, oh my God, my parents allowed me to do this. I have to, I have to support this yeah. too. And I really want to be that parent and that person. Like, you will. I believe in just flooding young people with confidence and uh, risk taking, but in a measured way, of course. Because, um, you know, when you, when, when you're people like us who are open-minded and are seeking these like, not beyond surface level realms of connection and experience and just living life, you see how beaten down and caged the majority of people are. And it's not their fault. It's all conditioning. It's all the culture we were brought up in. And, and you see it, how scared people are to diverge at all from their, from the norm and the path that was set for them by other people who had a lot of fear and anxiety and trauma in their life. So I would love to see a world where more people are encouraged to, in a very non-attached way, to pursue their wildest dreams, even if something radically different happens. Um, I, I mean, what else is there to do with life besides do that? Or else you're just living, you're honestly living a life that was, that was set by somebody else, some other human uh, rather than yourself. And I just don't see the point in that. What do you think that biggest tool is to, you know, get in there and find, I think a lot of times when, when we, people get set out on a path through the, you know, projected fear of parents or, or whatever it may be, societal norms, um, things like that. What can help them get in touch with that internal compass? Because that all that information is inside. Yeah, that's a tough one because I think everyone has it, right? We have this concept in, in society and culture, even people who are the most traditional and constrained, which is listen to your childlike self. You know, follow your follow your childlike dreams. Everybody knows that they just, uh, they don't take it seriously. So everyone has inside of them what they know gets them off more than anything. We're just told, oh, that's a stupid childlike dream. But fortunately, we live in a modern world where you can find a way to survive and thrive in your life pretty much doing anything you want as long as you do it in a really good, compelling way. 
Um, and so the best advice I can give to people to connect with that is to get inspired, first of all. So read, watch videos, listen to podcasts like this. Honestly, like make the people who influence you, people who are talking about these concepts, and then that will plant a seed inside of you. Do a little bit of strategizing and planning to give yourself a little safety buffer and then listen to your childlike fantasy and go pursue it and be relentless about it and don't give up and put that all together. And I think it'll work out for most people and maybe maybe it won't for others. But what is working out even mean, right? Working out means being happy, having some money. Like, yeah, there's things that can happen for better or for worse, but if you get indoctrinated and inspired to pursue what you want to do and then work really hard to do it, and also here's here's where the yoga comes in, be completely non-attached to the result and start seeing your life as just a perfect seed that is germinating in every single way that it goes, even if your mind is telling you that your expectations did not want it to go like this really deep inside. All we are is living life and you wouldn't appreciate the good things that happened to you unless you had a bunch of crappy things that happened to you. So everything is an opportunity to feel and to experience life. So you're doing great. You're always living life and just try your best to make it really enjoyable and meaningful and just be non-attached to expectations and honor that you're just a, and I mean this in a beautiful way, you're just a meaningless little animal that is living in the blink of an eye on earth. And don't take it so seriously. Mm-hmm. Just do your best. Have you been attached? Have you, because detachment seems pretty strong and it's a concept we, we strongly believe in too. And, and always are on to ourselves of what other things are we attached to clothing, you know, number of t-shirts we have to be materialistic, but have you ever been attached to something? Has that, have you seen the contrast in that where, where you're like, I never want to be in that uh, suffering again. Cause you know, when expectations are not met, it's like, whew. for sure. You put it beautifully. I agree with that completely. I mean, growing up, I didn't have any spirituality at all in my life. Like I grew up Jewish, but the most like reformed lack of spiritual religion. So even in the religious indoctrination that I grew up in, there wasn't a spiritual connection. My parents are very material world people. And so growing up without any concept of non-attachment, I did think everything was extremely important and serious. And if you lose something or get a bad grade or don't get into this school or fail in this way, your life could really fall apart, right? Your life could fall apart. Now it sounds silly to even say that kind of stuff. But yeah, just the classic, everything from heartbreak to not getting on sports teams to just all the, you know, thankfully I got into yoga pretty young. I was like 20 years old and I got into the concepts of non-attachment at that age. But um, before that, everything seemed like an attachment. Your, your social rank in high school and all that stuff. And it just brings deep amounts of anxiety and fear because nothing is controllable in this life. So if you attach to things and expect solutions or sorry, expect, have expectations 
50 or 90% of the time, those aren't going to be met. So if you, if you value, value your life based on accomplishing and fulfilling your expectations, mm. I mean, it's a recipe for, for misery because that assumes that you can control all this complex stuff of what's going around you rather than seeing yourself as just like a puzzle piece in a smoothie blender where everything is happening and you have very little influence. I'm just here on the ride. And that's what we all are. So I think in terms of Buddhism, yogic philosophy, non-attachment, it's like probably the biggest key to happiness, probably. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. It was told to me once or taught to me once or or recommended to me once that detachment should always remain top of my mind because eventually I'm going to need to detach from this body. And like, you want to make that as smooth as possible. And I was like, mm. oh my God. So like, I shouldn't be upset about the avocado that I opened that had brown spots in it, right? Like to notice attachment in all these different ways. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. So yeah, it's, and I think that, you know, at least how I have learned about attachment or detachment, because again, like you can, we can intellectualize it, but we, but the learning and the knowledge and the transformation comes from experiencing. So for me, I learned a kind of backwards, like stepped backwards. I noticed when I was suffering and was like, okay, that means that I was attached. So where, you know, like kind of just going back and using the mind as a tool to figure out like, okay, what are my tendencies that get me to this point where I'm now suffering? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to switch gears a little bit and uh, talk about your run you did the other day. So you just did like a 50K Yesterday, by yeah. yourself. That's And those trails, my God, it's so amazing where you are. So amazing. Yeah. So yesterday I did my longest run of my life. I ran 32 miles yesterday and it went incredibly well. Um, so Natalia and I, we had signed up for just to do a marathon that some local Costa Ricans actually set up. It was the first year and it got canceled due to COVID, even though like things are pretty chill COVID wise here. So I don't know. They, they probably like the municipality or something was like, you're not allowed to have an activity or something. But I said, all right, well, I'm just going to do it on my own anyways. And I ended up doing a few more miles than that. But um, yeah, so we live at 2,000 feet above sea level in the jungle mountains of Costa Rica. So where our farm is, it's on the top of a mountain, and you go 20 minutes drive downhill and you're at the beach, and then 20 minutes another direction and you're in a pretty decent-sized Costa Rican city. It's still a small city as far as, like, U.S. standards go. But um, so we live in the jungle, in the mountains, Every, there's barely any pavement, just the main road, the main highway is paved, and then every single turnoff from there is all dirt. So we have an unlimited amount of connected routes of like four-wheel drive and ATV roads everywhere. So it's not a lot of like technical single track, although there's a little of that when you find like a cow trail or something like that. But it's a lot of like car-sized wide dirt roads, and you can connect them going everywhere and i've been training really hard uh we run a lot here i live a farm lifestyle so i wake up at 5 a.m every morning drink some organic local coffee 
uh, drink some coconut water, go out and run or ride my bike, and then do a little yoga. And I'm on the farm by 9 a.m. and I farm until the rain starts pretty much. So we've been very consistent with our running and you know, probably similar to you, it's my absolute medicine. I've been in times in life, even in the recent past, where I get that feeling of calmness and relaxation through smoking too much weed or doing more destructive habits. And thankfully, the older I get, I realize that living as healthy and mindful and, I mean, pure is a word that connects with me but I don't mean pure can mean anything to anyone but what is my purity which is like letting my natural chemistry do its function rather than needing tons of you know external inputs directly into my body that that brings me happiness being connected to the healthiest food the cleanest water to nature and running has been my fix, you know, my, my drug of choice. I've been, I've been thinking about this concept recently uh, that, you know, we're all just chemical factories at the end of the day, like, because I've struggled not in two extreme ways in my life, but in little ways with being a little uh, attached to certain chemicals or substances in order to feel relaxed or happy. So I try to think in my like recovery in a way about that. And I realize we all are, animals that need a fix in some way because we're truly just chemicals running through a physical body in terms of our physical selves and running makes me feel so damn high and relaxed and connected and it turns on my brain in order to think as clearly and rationally as I can so it is just my absolute medicine and you know taking my daily six to ten mile run in the morning that's pretty good that gets me in a good place but once in a while you got to throw in a 20 30 something crazy in order to get to that next realm of like wow what is my life i can't believe i'm here you know when i was running yesterday and yeah because they canceled the event i just did it on my own so and you know i'm lucky i'm a very extreme person i'm competitive with myself but i'm not competitive really with others so i'm not super crazy about like getting the fastest time i want to push myself but really enjoy it like you know i wouldn't take it to some crazy gear to the point where i'm just not not enjoying myself and i actually learned that through doing kind of enduring space travel because my first bike tour I took, I did it pretty fast, biking like 70 miles a day, you know, with a hundred pound bicycle. And you realize like, you know, trying to get there fast and life sucks for me when you're doing that. So I prided myself on this last bike tour, actually being like the slowest that I could go and biking like 15, 20, 25 miles a day rather than, and cause I enjoy life more during my travels doing that. So I, you know, I wasn't competing with anyone. I took it at my pace. And during that run, I mean, it was incredible. All I could think about were the people that inspire me, how grateful I am. It gave me so much confidence to do that many miles. And, you know, I was floating in rivers and drinking out of streams. And, oh, my God, it was like being on a being on a Disneyland psychedelic ride it really was. And I'm, we're just so lucky to be fit and to care about our bodies and to be really well conditioned and to be able to experience life in this way. Cause 
you put someone in a chair in front of a computer in a room, which is pretty much the opposite of like taking a long run, your life's going to get miserable real fast. And when you go out on a run, your life is like in the most heightened state ever. So this is just our primal evolution. This is how we evolved. It works for everybody who does it. And I'm loving it. It's amazing. I'm on the road to, road to 100. I'm going to run 100 miles one day. Nice. And I can't imagine it because <laughs> it was pretty hard to run 32 yesterday. But uh, that's the beauty of it too, right? It's humbling. Like I see, watch these documentaries and see these men and women and older people running 100, 200 miles. And it reminds me of how how much I have to grow and how not accomplished in running or anything I am. And I love that humble feeling because actually I think I'm pretty great. I definitely have an ego, which I'm always trying to keep in check. So running is one of the best things to do to remind yourself, like, you ain't nothing. And I don't mean that in a self-hate way. I mean that in a, like, you're just a baby and you have so much room for growth. I don't even know what my potential is. Um, I'm not at all there. There's so much I have to do and hard work I have to do in order to experience some things that I really want to experience, like running 100 miles. So yeah, it was amazing. Um, and I'm just so grateful for my body and my lifestyle. Like, you know, I've been, I mean, my fiance and I, we are, we are quite dedicated to our yoga practice, to our meditation, our breath work and our on the mat practice and living in Costa Rica and being grounded really helps with that. You know, I've been doing yoga for like probably 10 years now, but you know, it goes through ups and downs. On my travels, there were months where I really wouldn't do a, a serious long practice or meditation. And we've had that dialed in for like over a year now. And my running's dialed in. Next month will be my ninth year eating vegan and living a vegan lifestyle. And like, you know, the day after, I'm feeling good. I swam this morning. I did some farming. I got no blisters, no chafing, no rashes. I didn't trip. I feel incredible. And I'm sure if I ran like 100 miles, you know, you, you get beaten down a little more. But I'm just so grateful for the lifestyle that I've been living and my confidence that it's the way to go. And my body feels so great. And I'm just super grateful. So awesome. how did you uh, fuel that run yesterday? Okay, so that, that's another thing. I was thinking like, all right, this is going to be a long run. You know, I know, like I live a super clean, whole food, plant-based diet, kind of raw till four style. You know, we live in the tropical paradise. So I eat coconut water and tropical fruits all day. And then I eat my rice, beans, sweet potatoes, steamed veggies, cooked in a little coconut oil and, you know, nut butters at night. That's how I've lived. Honestly, most of my nine years vegan, but really in the last two years, it's been insane because when you live in one place, you get all the hookups and I just live around a bunch of organic exotic fruit farms. So, but I was thinking on the run, you know, there is something to it that like some ultra runners and athletes will pull out the Coca-Cola or whatever during a long thing because those stimulants work, of course. They have their repercussions as well if you abuse those kinds of drugs and they're unhealthy in other ways. But for performance, it can be really good. So I always had it in the back of my mind, like if I was feeling 
super dead. Maybe I run up to the highway and grab a Coca-Cola. That was like the only thing in my mind, but I never had to do it. I fueled this run on coconut water, dried ice cream bananas, which I dehydrated the night before, fresh mango and pineapple, chia seeds, a little homemade peanut butter, hemp seed, cacao, dried banana, little energy ball. And that is it. And, and a little sea salt, like a tiny bit of sea salt. And that got me through the entire thing. I pretty much ran the entire marathon, barely walked. And then the last 10 miles, I did walk a fair amount. I got pretty, pretty crushed at around the marathon level. Just, it, it wasn't even the soreness in my muscles. It was like, I don't know. It just felt like because I hadn't done run that long in, in a long time, it was just like the pain in my ankles and my feet that were like keeping me from really running. I never got into like an energy issue at all. It was just that, that pounding on the, on the knees and the feet, but it never got terrible. I would just like run for a minute, walk for a minute, run for a minute for the last 10 miles. But I mean, that's what fueled it. And I put out a vlog this morning. I just took clips throughout it so you can see exactly what I ate and stuff. But it was so much fun. I can't wait to go out and, and, and do another one. I have this idea that maybe every four to six months, I'll take it to the next level. So maybe in like five months, I'll try to do like a 50 mile or something like that until I get to 100 uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a, I, you're talking and I've got this voice in my head going, yeah, sign up for a hundred, you should do a hundred mile. You should, I want to do a 50 K tomorrow. And then I've got the other voice going, listen, you've got a guest right in front of you, but you are, are firing me up right now. Like, um, I recently, uh, in April went to Costa Rica for the first time we were up, uh, in Nosara. So I've done a little research to see you're about five hours, I think South yeah. of like Nicoya Peninsula. Yeah. I biked through Nosada. Nosada is pretty cool. Yeah, it's and you know people had said you know I they had said it's it's amazing, it's vibrant, it's this, it's that. But to put your feet on the ground there, it's the most vibrant place I've ever been in my life. It's a blue zone, right? Yeah, that's yeah. that particular place. But I think I have a feeling you kind of live in a blue zone too, right? Like, I mean. Oh, for sure. There's like a real estate agency around here called like Blue Zone Real Estate that like helps people connect and you build like a little conscious community. This is a, it's a really interesting country and it's, it's been, it's been developed or, or like, you know, the, the, the influence of expats tend to be people who are really into health and permaculture and nature and ayahuasca and spirituality. So a lot of the newer economy is all revolving around health and sustainability. So it's really cool. Yeah, it's just such a trippy place. Like we talk about vibrancy. When I step out into my farm, if you just take like a one square meter square and spend like an hour just looking in the soil and on the plants. I mean, every day I see a new species of insect or bird that just blows my mind and looks like it's from outer space. Um, it's, in, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I felt, um, quite ignorant when I went there, um, which is fine. Like I, you know, I, I learned so much while I was there, but same thing. I would just look at like a patch of, you know, the jungle, like the side of a tree and you just see that everything is moving. 
and you see something new every day. And I think Costa Rica holds what, like 4% of the world's biodiversity in this tiny little country. It's, it's insane. Yeah, in, in the southern part, in the Osa Peninsula, it's a national park called Portobello, and it's considered the most biodiverse national park in the world. So within that park, you can see more different species of animals than any other single national park in the entire world. And you know what? For a farmer, though, like for a tourist or a traveler, <laughs> yes, right? For a farmer, when you're trying to control nature a little bit and play God in certain ways so that you can get the best uh, products, it's also a real challenge. Like the everything is trying to kill and eat everything all the time because there's so many species trying to survive. So it's also very humbling to learn about these animals and see that you can be this big, intelligent, strong human and a little black caterpillar and their 10,000 brothers and sisters can wipe out plants that you've been working really hard to cultivate. And so it's a constant, constant relationship with nature of appreciating this incredible, beautiful biodiversity and also honoring, you know, the game of farming, which also ties back to being a yogi and having complete non-attachment. When you've been uh, putting attention and love into a plant for a year, and then you wake up the next morning and a species of uh, colony of caterpillars have decided to take that plant for themselves instead. And you have to uh, respect that and you have to plant more and work harder and learn from nature um, yeah. Well, isn't that the relentlessness that you talked about? Like you have to be relentless. It's not, oh, well, let's close up shop, blah, blah, blah. Like you, yeah, they, yeah. That's, that's Mother Nature, God, the universe, whatever, saying, okay, you're saying you're relentless. Like we're going to show you what it means to be relentless. And you keep showing up and you keep being relentless and the caterpillars are still going to come. But that doesn't mean you throw up your arms and you walk away. Like you, you stay relentless. Let nothing stand in your way of this dream. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. The other day, like, things happen when you're trying to accomplish this and live and cultivate nature. Like, things I don't even know that are trying to just kill me and set me back. I brushed up against a beetle, and it sprayed a little liquid. It didn't even hurt. And a couple hours later, it looked like I had a huge burn on my finger, and it just healed. Like, the things that happen out here... It's so humbling and reminds you how gnarly and incredible and powerful nature is. And you have to you have to understand nature in order to have a good experience out here or else. And you also just learn from experience. But it's a it's a long, painful learning curve. Natalia's gotten stung by a scorpion. I've gotten, you know, there's caterpillars here that are fluorescent, rainbow, colorful that will sting the crap out of you and feel like a bee sting for like days. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's awesome. <laughs> what, um, can you share, can you share what you're growing or what you're focused on? Um, Absolutely. Plantation? Yeah. Yes. So on our farm, we have five acres here in the jungle and we're hoping to expand that because there's about 10 more acres attached to us that are, that are for sale. Um, so, but right now we have five acres 
and we have uh, we're off grid when it comes to water so we have our own spring so we drink completely untreated beautiful water that's bubbling up literally from our earth and we have a, a stream that goes through our land as well and actually a hundred percent of the electrical energy in costa rica comes from hydropower because we have so much rain and so many steep areas there's no like oil or coal fire based power plants so we're, we're connected to that grid but we'll probably be fully solar someday so that's kind of water and energy and then when it comes to our plants which is the most exciting thing for us we have 1,000 pineapples planted, which we planted about a year ago. So they're just starting to fruit. We have over 100 banana plants of five different varieties of bananas. We have ice cream banana, plantains, uh, date bananas, apple bananas, uh, red bananas. And then we have a greenhouse with every green you can want and root from beets, carrots, tomatoes, uh, we grow our own loofah, as in the stuff you scrub with. That's just the fruit, actually, that you grow and dry. Um, arugula, spinach, golden berries, basil, parsley, cilantro, any green eggplant, any green or veggie you'd want. And then now we're getting to the exotic fruit orchard, which is the most exciting. Passion fruit, cacao, durian, mangosteen, loquats, surnam cherry, tarap, uh, avocado, jackfruit, chempadak, chempajack, which is a jackfruit chempadak hybrid. We grow tropical nuts like Malabar chestnut and Sacha inchi nut, which is one of the tastiest nuts I've ever had. Um, we're experimenting with growing flaxseed. We want to do rice someday. We grow yucca. We grow sweet potato, regular potatoes, uh, celery, beets. I mean, we're trying to grow absolutely everything. And I already listed enough stuff, some of which maybe people haven't even heard of. Um, but yeah, we're trying to true uh, spices. We grow our own cardamom, black pepper, uh, and then I said, you know, the basil and all those herbs. So is there anything that doesn't, is there anything someone would think of that doesn't grow there that, that just won't of work? Course, yeah. So in the tropics, you have probably the biggest range of species of plants you can grow, but in every ecosystem or, or climate, there's going to be things you can't. So you can't grow stone fruit here. You can't grow peaches mm. or like apples or apricots and stuff like that. There are places in Costa Rica you can do that because we have so many mountains. If you go to like 5,000 feet, you can grow that stuff because it gets colder. But yeah, so that kind of stone fruit stuff is really like the only thing I've noticed because we grow citrus here. We have caviar lime, also known as finger lime. You've got to look it up. It, it looks and tastes like a lime, but it's in like a torpedo tube and there's just pellets, spherical pellets of lime that just come out and looks like caviar. We have kumquat, Valencia orange. So wow. we have citruses. It's, it's really stone fruits that, that you can't do here. But everything else pretty much grows. So let me ask you this. Um, for like the retreat center, are, you, are people just going to go and 
and like you're the host or like could Beej and I bring down athletes and we do yoga and then you, sh- you, do you do like, do you do like a guided like trail run and stuff for us, like things like that. Absolutely. That'd be so, so cool. So we have our house we built here. We have a spring water pool with a salt water filter. So it's an all natural swimming pool. Um, and we're building cabins. So the house we built is for Natalia and I and the family we create, but we're building bamboo and cedar wood cabins. And we want to have a bunch of them around for us to host retreats where we host all the activities, but we're also super open to renting out our farm and retreat center to people <laughs> like you. We'll help out with whatever you want. We can organize the fruit because we have all the hookups. Um, and for people to host their own retreats. So we want to do it all. And we're also, we're building these cabins just so people can rent it out like an Airbnb where we don't even structure any activities, but you can live on our farm, walk the trails, walk to the waterfalls and just live here as well. Okay, so Beej and I might have to come down and do some recon. Um, What I'm putting out to the listeners right now is if you guys want in on something like this, make a comment, let us know, and we'll hook up with Jackson when, uh, what do you, what's your timeframe for thinking like, what's your vision for when that would be ready to happen? Yeah. So we're having our first small retreat actually next month. Um, We want to do it pretty small because we only have one cabin built. So we're doing a three person retreat. We already have the three people. They're all from the States. And so we're going to do our first retreat uh, next month. And then our cabin will be ready for anyone to just rent out. It's just like a studio little cabin. It has everything, a little kitchen, full-size bed, bathroom, hot water, fiber optic Wi-Fi, everything you could want. You know, I've traveled so long. I really know exactly what a traveler wants and all the amenities. So when, when it comes to like a seven, eight person retreat, in like four or five months from now, we're going to be ready to do that. So maybe even like, because aren't you guys coming into like a second summer, like a um, like your rainy season? So right now is the start of the rainy season. And here, so on the two different coasts of Costa Rica, there's slightly different uh, climates and rainy versus dry. Here on the West Coast in the South, we are rainy season, which we call our winter. Start Even though the temperature doesn't change year round, it's just how wet it is. So the rainy season started now, uh, June to December is wet, and then it gets dry in uh, uh, January, and then it's dry for six months. So right now, it's pretty wet, and it'll stay wet for the next five, six months. Okay, cool. All right, well, we're going to have to, we'll chat off- offline, and uh, Hi, I think that would be Oh, I'm so glad oh, Maggie's Maggie. here. And Maggie, Maggie's vegan, right? Yeah, we have a question for you want to yeah, ask about so Maggie? How does Maggie, how does Maggie get fueled? What is she, what's in her? Yeah, so I rescued Maggie at a shelter in uh, Long Beach. Uh, Hi Maggie. Hi beautiful. Oh I love it. You guys are both from like the concrete jungle. Yeah, totally. And you know, Maggie, Maggie and I bike together. She, we did our bike tour together from LA to here. So Maggie is a very accomplished ultra runner <laughs> and she's been through seven countries with me on the bicycle traveling. Um, so when I rescued Maggie, she was a two year old obese, vicious uh, Australian cattle dog. She weighs 40 pounds now and is super fit. She's five now. And when I rescued her, she was 70 pounds, like super obese. Mm. And I just fell in love with her at the shelter. 
And um, she was actually 100% vegan for our two years of traveling. Maggie eats rice, sweet potato, pumpkin, mashed up beans, well-cooked, and coconut oil and flax. That's really the base of her diet. And that is still the base of her diet here, except now we have so many friends in our town that have chickens that literally have no cage, run around and drop eggs everywhere. And so I get eggs from some friends in our town and I give Maggie an egg as well. But the base stayed the same. I just give her an egg because she likes it and it's probably good for her. Um, but when I was traveling and I didn't have that hookup, I would never buy an animal product from a store or anything like that. So she ate that diet, as I said. So like on our bike, when we'd be traveling and I'm sleeping on the side of the road or in a tiny little village in a soccer field or something, cooking up my sweet potato, lentils, rice, coconut oil, she would literally eat the same thing. Um, and also she'd eat bread and peanut butter when I was in a situation where I couldn't cook or whatever. Um, but yeah, she never eats dog food. Um, and I feed her that twice a day and she's the most beautiful, fit, healthy, incredible companion. Maggie and I have never had a day apart. I rescued her three years ago. There's not one day where we haven't been together, which is also like a non-attachment thing that I'm trying to work on. <laughs> there have been a few experiences where it would have been convenient for me to go and do something for a few days and give her to a friend or family member. And my fiance and I, we might have to do some traveling and I'm thinking we might hit that first experience where I have to spend a day or a week without her, but you know what? It'll be totally fine. Uh, and that's, that's my mental stuff that I have to work through with my attachment because she, you know, we've, we have developed a very dependent relationship with each other and I love her so much, but yeah, that's what Maggie eats now. And she's super happy. Loves it. I love it. Um, all right, Jax, I've really enjoyed this conversation as we wrap it up though. I want you to just speak a few words about, um, you're passionate about people, you know, dreaming extreme and, um, and, you know, following their heart or taking their risks. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but a couple, couple words to wrap it all up today. Absolutely. And as you started with a deep breath, I just take a deep breath and think about life and how to accomplish uh, whatever you want. It would be to listen to yourself, listen to your childlike fantasies and what brings you the most joy in life, what you want to do. Be smart, learn from others, but ultimately Take a lighthearted, non-attached approach to life. See your life as a perfect path that is unfolding. Whether your ego and mind thinks that something happens for better or for worse, take everything that happens as a beautiful lesson and that you're experiencing life and that you're lucky to be experiencing anything and listen to yourself Learn from others, but ultimately don't, don't be influenced by people that are trying to create your life or mold you in a way that doesn't resonate with you. Surround yourself with people that influence you in a positive way that resonates with you. And if you have this non-attached attitude, Take risks, work really, really hard to pursuing your dream. 
connect with others because it is often groups are more powerful than just being solo if you're having obstacles along the path and stay determined, be non-attached to the result and always take steps forward to what you want. And I guarantee you will land in a place where you are, uh, you, where you're enjoying and, and happier and more grateful than maybe a place where you are right now if there's something that feels out of alignment. So just work hard, listen to yourself, team up with others who influence you in a positive way. What else can you do? It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much. That was uh... great vibes. <laughs> that was so much fun. Thank you for listening to my story and caring. It means a lot to me. And you seem like the people that truly would come and visit. So we definitely offer and open to come and actually see with your own eyes what we're doing here. Oh, 100%. I am, we, Mm -hmm. yeah, we will be on that land. I bet, you know, even just watching your videos, I see, I feel myself walking on the land. So, um, you know, when the time, when the time is right, it will hit and we will come. So, but we'll stay in touch. I uh, absolutely love that we're connected. Thank you guys so much. Thank you.